This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Hopefully you have your notes. Um, I don't know if you've, you've caught some of the TV shows the last couple of, of weeks on RFD, DISH Direct, uh, GEB on Direct, several other networks. But a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, as I've traveled to different churches and, and my assignment to the body of Christ, it seems for the past uh, good bit, um, there's definitely been a prophetic anointing for the body of Christ for the day and age which we live in. And um, at the end of August, I, I woke up uh, early that morning. I was getting ready to preach at a church in Amarillo. And I just, I had a, just a vision and it's been happening like this more and more. But in the vision, I, I, I saw God as the warrior. And I, I didn't see his, his face. I just knew it was the Lord. I mean, it was just bright. I, I knew it was the Lord, but as a warrior and he was pulling back a bow and he is releasing arrows into different spheres of influence. And these arrows, he'd reach back and he'd place another arrow in his bow and he'd release it. And as he released the arrows, these arrows would go through this, this like a gold chasm and it would just light up with gold. And I know the anointing is representative of gold in the Bible. And the Lord was wanting you and I to know that he is sending us into our spheres of influence and that we are equipped and anointed for such a time as this and for us to be confident that he is backing us up into the areas of our gifts, our callings, and our assignment. Psalms 127, verse 4, this is on your notes, and it says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the chil children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Now, I know that that's talking about parents, but in this vision, so when you have a vision, you have a, a, a prophecy, or any, anything that comes from the Lord, God will always do it in alignment with His Spirit. And so you can go back uh, on the YouTube channel, uh, look, look for the notes or whatever, and I go through scripturally and outline this vision that is from the Lord. But Him being the Father, pulling back, releasing you and I into our spheres of influence. And He said that there, there's just a sense of satisfaction on His heart. Now, last week He, he added to... Uh, what he was saying. And, and, he, and he was going around his quiver where he is reaching for the arrows and he was having to bypass some of the arrows, which you and I are the arrows full of the Spirit of God, anointed by the Spirit of God. And he was having to bypass some people that were created to go into certain spheres of influence, but they weren't ready yet. And he's going to come back around if you'll be willing to be ready, be in a position of willingness, say willingness. It's very important that you and I are willing to hear the voice of God and obey the voice of God, that it is time that plain church is over. So I've got to ask, how willing am I to be obedient to what the Spirit of God is saying? And he said he will come back around in his quiver. And if you will get back in the game and adjust your willingness, you know, you can adjust your willingness really quick. 
You can do it right now. As you're sitting there listening, you can make a decision to be willing. Because we can be real churchy, and we can be real religious, and we can, oh, bless the Lord. And I'm talking about willing on Monday through Sunday, at home, when you're by yourself, when God puts somebody on your heart, are you willing? Are you willing to develop your gift? Are you willing to develop your passion? Are you willing to develop that business? Are you willing to develop whatever God has placed on the inside of you? Or are you fighting to live in your comfort zone? Because there's no growth in our comfort zone, but we're trained in America. We're trained in church to be comfortable. We don't want to raise our hands because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to allow the gifts of the spirit to operate because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to freak anybody out, but we're living in a day and age as we travel to all the different types of churches and everything. There's a dividing line that's taking place. And there's some of you watching right now that you've played church your whole life, but there's something stern on the inside of you telling you, and you know, by the spirit of God, it's time for you to get off your backside and to get up and to get in the game and to go after God with all your heart. And the Father is saying He is sending the people that are willing into their area of influence. And I kept hearing these words, chosen, gifted, called, equipped, and anointed. Chosen, that's you, that's me, we're chosen. We're gifted, we're called, we're equipped, and we're anointed. And that's what we're going to pick up tonight is understanding the anointing of God. Say that with me. I'm chosen. chosen. Say it. I'm gifted. I'm I'm called. And I am equipped with the anointing of God. Isaiah 10, 27. It says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So the anointing of God is the personality of God. The anointing of God is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. The anointing of God is the presence of God. It's the manifestation of the goodness of God, and it's always there for a purpose. So there's an anointing that we have within us, and then there's an anointing that we have upon us that is designed by God to empower us for service. So the anointing by the Spirit of God in us is to teach us. The anointing of God upon us is to empower us to go into our sphere of influence. His super comes upon our natural. His super comes upon our giftings, our calling, our assignment, our passion. So when we show up on the job site, we're full of the Spirit of God to release the healing power of God. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are not just to operate in the church. They are designed by God to equip us. So when we show up at the rodeo, at the bank, at the doctor's office, at the business, that the word of knowledge is operating, the word of wisdom is operating, the gift of healings are operating, but we've boxed God in that it only has to operate. He only can operate in our little box that we create for him. And he is saying, I'm sending my arrows. Now, these arrows that God is talking about in Ephesians chapter six, when Paul says that for you and I to take up the shield of faith, whereby we will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This dart that Paul refers to, there was three different types of dart. The first dart, it just looked like an arrow, that just like you hunt deer with or something like that. When it's released, you see it coming, but it's not going to make that big of an impact. Yeah, it might stick in you and it might hurt, but it's not that big of an impact. The second type of arrow that they used during that time is they would dip these arrows in tar and they would light it on fire and 
and the enemy sends these type of arrows that they're going to cause a little bit more damage. Like at this time in war, it would, it would blow up a hut or something or catch a hut or something on fire. But the arrow that Paul was talking about that the enemy was going to send is an arrow and it looks like a normal arrow, but in the shaft... It, it, in the shaft, it was a combustible fluid that whenever that arrow is sent into your life and that arrow looks like doubt, it looks like fear, it looks like unbelief, it looks like the thought that you can't be who God's called and created you to be. You can't go where God has created you to go. And when it hits your mind, boom, it was the bomb of the day and it was designed to explode and ignite. And this is what Paul is talking about, that you and I have the ability when Satan sends those arrows our way that it might try to explode, but it's going to ricochet when it hits your shield of faith and it goes back upon the enemy. Instead of taking you out, it's going to take him out. And right here, God is saying, see these arrows that I saw in this vision, and that's what they were. They were burning. The, the shaft was burning aglow with this fire, and that fire represents the anointing of God. The, the chasm represents the anointing of God. And what is the purpose of the presence of God, the manifestation of the power of God, the personality of God? It's whenever you and I show up somewhere, there's something different about us. There's, there's manifestations of the goodness of God. L listen to this in 1 John 2. So there's an anointing in us. It's his presence in us to teach us. Say, in me. Now, this is when you're reading the word at home. This is when you're listening to somebody teach. The spirit of God is given to us by God to teach us. 1 John 2, 20 and verse 27. But you've been anointed. Say, anointed. By, you hold a sacred appointment from, you've been given an unction from the Holy One, and you all know the truth, or you know all things. Verse 27, but as for you, the anointing, the sacred appointment, the unction which you receive from Him abides permanently in you. Say, permanently in me. So then you have no need that anyone should instruct you, but just as his anointing teaches you concerning everything and is true and is no falsehood, so you must abide in, live in, never depart from him, being rooted in him, knit to him, just as his anointing has taught you to do. So he's talking about his presence. He's talking about the Holy Spirit teaching you and I. Now, when John is writing here, this isn't to take the place of the offices of ministry of the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. He's talking about the spirit of God in us to teach us truth. Say, to teach me truth. The Holy Spirit is in me. And it is time for us to have such an awareness that he is in me to teach me about whatever I'm called to do. The Holy Spirit knows all things. He, know, he was there when the Father designed you and I before the foundations of the earth. And he knows what we are gifted to do. He knows what we are anointed to do. Anointing means to smear on. It means to rub on. It means all of God on all of you. And he's saying the anointing, the heart of God, the personality of God, the teacher... The presence of God is in me to teach me. Say, in me. He can teach me how to be the best me I can be. 
He can teach me how to be the best businessman. He can teach me how to be the best dad, you the best mom, the best husband, the best wife. He, he is in me to teach me. He wants to teach me. Say, he wants to teach me. He wants to teach me. Say it like you mean it. Me. Me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, this is the anointing on us for service. So there's an anointing in us to teach us, and there's an anointing on us for service. Two different experiences. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want to uh, read it again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Witnesses. So there's the anointing in us and there's the anointing on us. The anointing on us is for other people. The anointing in us is for us. Are you allowing the anointing in you to do a work in you so it can carry the Holy Spirit upon you so when you step in somewhere, you can be a witness of the goodness of God. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's talking about your spheres of influence. When, when we're faithful with the little, then he makes us ruler over much. So the anointing in me, and then there's an anointing on me. Say in me, and on me. You and I, we live in a day and age where the Spirit of God, we, it's not enough for you and I just to know that it's in us, but it's important that we know that He is on us. So when your friends and family are fighting for their life, we can step into the situation and release the power of God. The anointing of God on us is for service. A couple of weeks ago, Robert and I was doing a school in Oklahoma. And then I did a men's conference, and then I, they had three services at this church I was preaching at, and we was getting ready to pull out of the parking lot because we was headed to Montana from there. And this guy pulls up, and he has his daughter, 16-year-old daughter in there, and he comes and he stops us. He says, can you pray for her? Because there, there was different healings and manifestations of the power of God throughout the services that day. But this girl, she had, she had been deaf ever since she was born. And he says, can you pray for, because one of the words of knowledge was uh, there was a lot of healings for ears, but she couldn't hear what I was saying. She, she, and, and so the dad stops and I said, you better believe that I'll pray for her. And I laid my hands upon her and I began to pray for her and God opened her ears and I kept walking back and back and I would turn my head. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And her eyes are about this big and she's going just like this. What, what, see, the anointing of God is upon us to be a witness of the power of God. And I could sit up here all night long and talk to you about seeing bones come back together and, and babies coming back to lives and horses and cattle. Why? Because the anointing of God is upon us to be a witness of His goodness. But the anointing is in us to teach us about His goodness when we're driving down the road. The anointing is in us to teach us about his goodness, about his character and nature. And if you will listen to the teacher, you know he will teach you about healing. He will teach you about prosperity. He will teach you about victory. He will teach you about wisdom. He is a teacher and he is a teacher of all truth. Say all truth. Now, when we're religious, we shut down the teacher because we only want him to teach us what we were taught by our uncle, boo-boo and aunt ding-dong. 
right? And don't get beyond what Aunt Boob and Uncle Ding Dong taught me. But if we'll listen to the teacher and you stay hungry, that's very important, you stay hungry for all that God has for us. He will keep teaching us. We'll never exhaust all the things that God has for us. There's always more. Say, there's always more. Listen to Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can turn over there. I just want to read this to you. And you can spend more time of it on your own. That's why I give you the notes and stuff is so you can look at these. I didn't have time to, to type it all there. But verse 25, Mark 5, 25, in the New King James, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but yet there grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now we're talking about the anointing in us and we're talking about the anointing on us. And we can learn from the woman with the issue of blood that she wasn't supposed to be in the crowd, but she had got fed up, say fed up. She was fed up with the condition that she was in. She had gone to doctor after doctor and spent all that she had. And she pressed through the crowd and she kept saying there, we, we can learn. She kept saying, that's what faith does, right? Faith believes in our heart and declares what the mind. She kept saying, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. But notice how a lot of times we just focus on the woman with the issue of blood, but God is wanting us to focus on Jesus, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And so you have the power of God and you have the faith of God. Notice Jesus said it was her faith that made her whole. Not God's faith, not the apostles' faith, but her faith. Say her faith. So we have our faith and then you have the power of God. The word power comes from a Greek word dunamis. So you had Jesus who was full of the power of God and you have the woman who was reaching out to touch him, releasing her faith. So we can be in the presence of the power of God and not release our faith and nothing ever happened. The anointing of God can be on somebody, but if we don't connect our faith to the anointing, nothing will ever happen. The power of the Lord can be present to deal with any situation in our life. The anointing of God removes every burden, say every burden, destroys every yoke, say every yoke. So yoke is sickness, yoke is lack, yoke is strife, yoke is division, yoke is condemnation, yoke is guilt, yoke is poverty, yoke is anything that steals, kills, and destroys. And he says the anointing of God is in us to teach us about the character and nature of God to destroy. The word destroy means to obliterate. It doesn't mean you break it where you can glue it back together. It means you destroy it in such a way that the devil can never reattach it back to your life. There's people watching that you've been addicted to pornography for years and the anointing of God is present right now to obliterate that thing from your life, to deliver you from it, and you'll never go back to it if you'll reach out and take a hold of it. See, faith is always our part. Always, I can't rely on you 
to walk in my deliverance. I can't rely on you to know God is my provider. I can't rely on you to know that God is my healer. I've got to release my faith. We're all dealt the measure of faith when we get saved, correct? But then we develop it by faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and our faith is developed by acting on what we're hearing. Look with me in Luke chapter 5. So the anointing of God is in us, and the anointing of God is on us for such a time as this. Luke chapter 5. Verses 17, we'll start there in the New King James. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I want you to picture this. The power of the Lord was present to heal every person that came from Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee. The power of the Lord, say the power of the Lord was present. Say it, was present to heal them. Verse 18, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to the man, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Verse 26, And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Notice the power of God was present to heal how many? Everybody, but how many got healed? Only one. It was the faith of the four men and the faith of the guy laying on the mat that was dropped down from the ceiling. He said he saw their faith. Can God look in our life and see our faith, or does he see our religion? When it comes to our marriage, when it comes to our businesses, when it comes to our calling, am I taking steps today that are steps of faith? Or am I just going through the motions? See, this is a, a, a conscious effort, a choice, a decision every day that I'm going to stir myself up when it comes to my relationship with God. I'm going to stir myself up in my prayer language. I'm going to stir myself up in my gifts, my callings, my passion, my assignment. How long has it been since we've stirred ourselves up and we begin to worship by faith and we begin to praise by faith? Or are we just waiting until we get together at church? Are we waiting for somebody else to stoke our fire? Or are we stoking our own fire? See, there's an anointing in us to teach us, and then there's an anointing on us to be a blessing to others. So instead of just identifying with the man that's on the mat and reaching out, let's begin to identify with Jesus. Jesus was full of the, the fire of God. He was full of the faith of God. He was full of the presence of God. So when somebody needed something, it flowed out of him to bring change to their situation. 
Jesus Christ, Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. Remember, we're seeing the Father releasing arrows into certain spheres of influence, and these arrows are you and I, and they're going through this chasm. The shaft is glowing, and that represents the anointing of God. God is saying, you and I were equipped with the anointing of God. What is the anointing of God? It is the nature of God, the manifest power of God, the personality of God. What's the reason? What's the purpose for the anointing? To remove every burden burden, destroy every yoke that Satan puts on people, including our own lives. The anointing is in me to teach me, say in me to teach me, and it's on us for other people, but this is always done by faith. I want us to look at a few things because there's, there's, there's differences from what happens in us when we get saved and what happens on us. Let's look at a few of these scriptures because remember what Jesus told us in John chapter 14, verse 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, is that you? The works that I do he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So how do I begin to experience the greater works? See, Jesus was limited as a man. He didn't operate as the Son of God when he stepped into his earthly ministry. He operated as a man, a person just like you and I, anointed by the Spirit of God. He didn't operate as the Son of God. He operated as the Son of Man, and He was anointed. Because if He operated as the Son of God, God doesn't need to be anointed. Correct? So He operated as the Son of Man, anointed by the Spirit of God. And He says, now the works that you see me do, because you believe on me, greater works than these... You will do because I go to my Father. Jesus was confined as a man on the earth. That's why he said whenever he goes to the Father, he's going to give us his spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, because then instead of it just being one man, now it's the body of Christ. He is the head and we are the body. So the same anointing that was upon the head, the same power that was upon the head, the same personality that you see operating in and through Jesus is the same nature that's in you and I. So when we call upon the name of Jesus, we're recreated on the inside. The Spirit of God comes on the inside. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. He is in me. Say, He is in me. But then there's a different experience whenever he comes upon me. There's a different experience when he flows out of me. So he, he is doing a work in me, say in me. But then he also wants to do work through me, say through me. So John chapter 4 verse 14, And whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, say in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This is talking about eternal life. When the Spirit of God comes in us, say, in me, it's springing up into everlasting life, eternal life. Now, John chapter 7, listen to how he describes it, it going through us. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if, say if, if anyone thirst, pause, how long has it been since you've stirred up your thirst for the things of God? 
because to the degree of my hunger and my thirst is going to determine the degree of the power and the presence of God I walk in. He says, anyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So you see, there's a work that is done in us and then there's a work done through us. God is saying that you're the arrows being sent into your spheres of influence and the anointing of God is in us to teach us something, but he is on us to be a blessing to others. And right here, he's describing there's one experience when he comes in us, but it's a different experience when he flows out of us. Say in me and out of me. Say in me and upon me. Let's keep going. John 14, verse 16 and 17, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Say in me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit in us. He's the spirit of truth. And he's telling the disciples, the world can't receive him because they neither see him or know him, but you know him for he dwells with you. Talking about, they're talking to Jesus. They're seeing the spirit of God in Jesus. Jesus is communicating with them. But he says, the same spirit that is in and on me is now gonna come in you. Say in me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 again, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So here you see the power of God comes upon you to be a witness. So he works in me and he works through me. He works in me and he comes up on me. Why does he come up on us to be a witness? Why does he come up on you to have wisdom at your job, to be a witness? Why does he come upon you to make sales, to be a witness? Why does he come upon you to give you strategy, to be a witness? Why does he come upon you to manifest his power, to be a witness? Why does he come upon us to be a witness of his goodness? It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. But it takes us stirring ourselves up in our most holy faith and yielding to the anointed one in us to teach us about the anointing that is upon us to add value to people. People are the most important thing to God. The people that you're connected to, the people I'm connected to, they're the most important things to God. Who in my life right now is the Spirit of God working on their heart to prepare them for an encounter with you and I so they can, they can just take one step closer in their relationship? with God. When they're around us, do they get thirsty for the goodness of God? Do they get thirsty for the presence of God? Do they know that there's something different about you? Yeah, they might make fun of you right now, but when all hell breaks loose, guess who they're going to call? You. Why? Because we're listening. We're learning. Say, I'm learning. I'm learning from the Holy Spirit in me about his character and nature upon me. Now look, look on your notes there, page, into page four. The, the, I'm just going to quickly go through these because I'm, I'm wanting to sow seeds of just building a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
the personality of God, the anointing of God, because it's the power of God that's going to remove burdens and destroy yokes. God is done with his family coming together and there being no change. For 20 years, people come into church and they're still hooked on this and they're still hooked on that. Why? Because we come in one way and we leave the same way because we don't understand. We're not hungry. We're not thirsty. We're not after the presence of God. I want him to change me to such a degree that you and I are carriers of the heartbeat of God. And God doesn't want any person to perish. God doesn't want any person to stay bound by pornography or drugs or addiction or ailments that when people walk into our presence, just like Peter, when he walked by, his shadow got on him and healing took place. Why? Because he was aware the greater one is in me and the greater one is on me. And he just lived his life. And he was that arrow being released into spheres of influence to make a difference all for the glory of God. That's you that's me, but we've got to begin to get our faith up concerning the anointing before we experience the anointing. That's why I'm teaching it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Listen to what the Holy Spirit does, and you can go back and you can look at it in your own time. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, He quickens our mortal bodies. I encourage you to begin to put a demand upon that. You know, people ask me all the time, how do you go like you go? And you make me tired just listening to your schedule and everything. I don't talk tired. I don't talk tired. I don't care how tired my physical body. People say, oh my gosh, you just, uh, uh. If that word comes out at our house, I say, uh, uh, we don't talk tired in this house. I will set my, my mind and my heart to the end of my schedule for the week, and then I'll rest. But I'm not talking tired. Why? Because I'm believing God. The Spirit of God quickens my mortal body. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens my mortal body. Say, quickens my mortal body. Every one of us could use a quickening. Amen? Quickening. Verse 14, we're led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, He bears witness with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. Do you have a witness on the inside of you that you're born again, child of God? Nobody can talk you out of that, right? Why? Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And he wants to continue to bear witness about our provision, about our healing, about our destiny, about our calling, where nobody can talk us out of being the best us we can be. The Holy Spirit, the anointing is in us to teach us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, 27 Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Part of our weakness is not knowing how to pray. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know how to pray? You prayed every way you knew how to pray, uh, in English, right? In your native tongue, you prayed the word of God. You pray. Well, he says, well, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that gives you the witness that you're born again, child of God is the same spirit that wants to help us in our state of weakness and intercede on our behalf, intercede on behalf of the saints, according to the will of God. So when we allow the spirit of God that is in us to intercede for us, it's the perfect prayer. It's the perfect prayer. So, so don't let this freak you out. I'm just giving this as an example. So 
So what this looks like is, let's just say, I can't tell you how many times I've been praying over my wife or praying over my kids or praying over the TV show or praying over the next thing. And I've prayed every way I know how to pray in my natural tongue. Now, I'm not talking to you. Now I'm talking directly to God and I'm yielding and the Holy Spirit is interceding. Or, or I, I've had people that just come up in my heart and I don't know where they're at or what they're going. I had some friends of mine, they's running in the Boston Marathon and they just come to my heart and I just start praying in other tongues and I call them the next day or maybe that night or something. I don't remember what the deal is. And they says, you wouldn't believe it. A, a, a gunner ran his car through the crowd. This several years ago, ran the car through the crowd and they missed us just by an inch. I had no idea what was going on in their life, but I guarantee you because God found somebody who, who would be willing to pray the Spirit of God interceded. So what does that look like? I didn't know what to pray in the English. I just saw their face. Now, Father, I just ask you for the manifestation of that. That's the Holy Spirit. He's interceding for whoever that person is according to the will of God. See, there's a work in us but then that's, that's what Jesus was talking about. Out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Your words are carriers of the anointing of God. God has to have words upon the planet in order to get his will done on earth, just like it is in heaven. If he can't find somebody who will open their mouth and declare his word, see, that is a, that's a perfect prayer. There's no doubt. There's no fear. There's no unbelief. And it's forever born again child of God. That's what Jesus was talking about. The So there's different types of tongues. So if I were to get up and I were to talk to you in a tongue, that's when Paul says, now you need to have an interpreter. But in our own private prayer language, this is directly to God. It's our heavenly language. And it says we're praying the wisdom of God. How many of you need wisdom? Okay, the others of you, you need wisdom. I'll just go ahead and tell you if that's a newsflash, you need wisdom. It says that we're praying the perfect prayer, the perfect plan of God that was structured for our life before the foundation of the world. We can't get that in our natural understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I encourage you to spend some time there. It says that if Satan and all the religious people would have known what they were doing, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. When you are praying in your prayer language, Satan doesn't know what you're praying. See, you can have the greatest prayer in your natural language that there is. And it's powerful and it's effective. And you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. But when you've done that and you don't know what else to pray, when you pray in other tongues, Satan doesn't know what you're saying. And it's the perfect prayer. Perfect prayer. No fear. Have you ever prayed when you were afraid? No doubt. Have you ever prayed when you're full of doubt? But there's times that until you get yourself in that place of faith, you can release your faith that the Spirit of God is interceding for us and it's the perfect will of God. We're coming in a day and age, we're living in it. Turn on the cotton picking TV. That's a Texas term anyway, cotton picking. And you see that we need the Holy Spirit to help us know where to be, how to be there, when to be there, if we even should be there. I want you to be praying for me. If my, my honey's in a crack, I want you, I want to know that God can count on you to be praying for me. I don't want you to act religious. Oh, well, bless the Lord. I'm not believing. No, no, I need you to be a warrior. Yeah. 
God needs us to be a warrior. He's stirring up the warriors in the body of Christ. Not just the churchgoers who have the bumper stickers and the t-shirts and the honk if you love Jesus going on. No, no, warriors. Say warriors. warriors. Say that's me. So the Holy Spirit, he quickens us. He leads us. He bears witness that we're children of God. He intercedes for us. How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing him to be this in your life? Am I allowing him to be this in my life? I encourage you to invite him. Just talk to him. Just like you talk to each other, like you, you would talk to your spouse or your friend, talk to him, Holy Spirit, because his job is to glorify Jesus. His job is to magnify Jesus, just like a magnifying glass. His job is to help us understand our inheritance as children of God. It's, it's the Holy Spirit's job to help us realize that we're overcomers, more than conquerors, redeemed from the curse. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing, the presence of God, the personality of God that is in me. Say, in me. Let's keep going. John 14, verse 26. But the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me, act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. Say, all things. And he will cause you to recall, will remind you, bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. Let's keep going. John 16, verse 13 through 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Say all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Say he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Say to me. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So remember, the Spirit of God in us is to teach us. He wants to help me. He wants to be my standby. He wants to be my comforter. He wants to be my advocate. He wants to strengthen me. Say, strengthen me. Remember Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing who strengthens me. Where is he going to strengthen you? In your inner man. He's going to strengthen you from the inside out. Coming from the inside out, the anointing is strengthening us on the inside to the point that it strengthens us on the outside. How do you think that Samson had all that strength? It was the anointing. In the Old Testament, the presence of God would come upon the priests, the kings, the prophets for an assignment, for a task. But now in the New Testament, the anointing is on the inside of every single one of us. And whatever you're gifted and called to do, the anointing comes upon you to you to be you. If it's to make money, tap into that anointing. If it's to overcome, tap into that anointing. If it's to, to have ideas and to go forward, tap into that anointing. But it it comes from allowing the anointing in us to empower us for him to come upon us to make a difference for his glory. But it takes mind renewal to the anointing. It takes mind renewal that I'm, I'm welcoming the Holy Spirit to teach me. How, how many of you believe that you could learn more about God? How much, of, how, how much more could we learn about ourselves? How much more could we learn about God's plan and his will for our life? Every one of us, right? It takes us being teachable and coachable 
and pliable. God wants the anointing of God to intensify upon his body, the body of Christ. Remember what Christ means, the anointed one, his anointing, the body of Christ. Not Christ's, but Christ. Christ, the anointed one, his anointing, the power of God, the presence of God, the personality of God. You don't look at my body and call my body John and call my head Trey. No, you call Trey, all of me Trey, right? Well, Jesus is the head and we are the body of Christ. So the same power that's on the head is the same power that's on the body, but it takes our faith to activate the power of God in our life. And this comes by daily processes. You know, we, we've talked about before, you know, leadership isn't developed uh, in one day, it's developed daily. Our relationship with God isn't developed in one day, it's developed daily. Us becoming who God's called us to be doesn't happen in one day, it happens daily, daily, daily putting him first, daily renewing our mind, daily stirring ourselves up, daily operating in our gifts. God wants the anointing to increase, to be greater than what we've ever, I want you to think about what's the greatest thing you've ever seen God do before. He wants greater. What's the greatest thing you've ever heard about God doing? God wants greater. What's the greatest financial breakthrough? What's the greatest sense of peace he wants greater? See, that's the anointing isn't a thing. It's, it's a personality. It's him. It's the nature and character of God. So the anointing in me and the anointing on me. Say in me and on me. So I'm sowing these seeds because some of this, maybe you've never heard about any of this before. So I'm sowing these seeds and I want it to cultivate through time. But just for time's sake, I want us to go, um, so how does the anointing increase? Finish strong here with me. We're going to go just a little bit longer. This is very important. How does the anointing increase? How does the power of God increase? Say faithful. Being faithful is huge to God. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful person abounds with blessing. Faithful. Luke 16, verses 10 through 12, he who is faithful, say faithful, and what is least is faithful also and much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also and much. So notice he's talking about money right here. He's saying, if you're not faithful with money, you're not going to be faithful with the power of God. He calls money least. He says, if you're faithful with the least, which is money, and we put so much importance on it, he says, if you're not faithful with that, you're not going to be faithful with the power of God. So I've got to ask, okay, am I faithful with money? Because money represents my heart. It represents my gifts. It represents my talent. It represents my passion, my calling. If I'm not faithful with money, say money. I know people don't like to talk about money, but say money. If I'm not faithful with money, I will not. You can dream, you can wish, you can hope, you can call out to God. You'll never walk in the power of God. Because that's more important to God than money. And we put more importance on money than we do the power of God. And he goes on to say, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? What's true riches to God? The presence of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, the goodness of God. That's true riches. Say true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? 
In today's society, nobody wants to be faithful with other people's stuff. They go rent a car and they tear it up. They rent a house, they tear it up. They go uh, rent a hotel room, they tear it up. That's not being faithful with somebody else's stuff. They work for somebody else and they're not faithful. God says, if you're not faithful with another man, you won't position yourself to have your own. How does the anointing of God increase? It increases by being faithful. Am I faithful with my relationship with God? Am I faithful with the people that I'm connected to? Am I faithful? Say faithful. There's no skipping the process. See, we want the results of people that have gone years in the process, but we're not willing to go through the process. I want the results of somebody that's walked with God for 50 years because you see the blessing, the power, and all this type of stuff. But am I willing to do what they've done in order to get what they've gotten? Am I willing to do what somebody who's successful does in order to walk in the results that they have? Say faithful. Faithful. 1 Kings 19, verse 19. So he departed from there. Now this is talking about David. You think about David. David was faithful. Say faithful. David was anointed to be the next king of Israel at age 17. He didn't go get business cards made. He didn't hook cards to the ram's horns and send them out to the pasture. The next king of Israel... No, no. What did he do? He went and he was faithful. Say faithful. Age 17, he is anointed to be the king of Israel. Age 30, it says he started ruling half of the kingdom. Age 37, 20 years later, he ruled all of Israel. But he wouldn't have got to being where he was if he wouldn't have been faithful. Say faithful. He went and he served Saul in the king's palace, learning to be faithful. Say faithful. Joshua served Moses. He was faithful until Moses died. And God said, okay, I need you to rise up now. And I need you to be the warrior that you're called and created to be. What was he saying? Because you've been faithful, now you're promoted. Here you see Elijah and Elijah. Elijah is a type and shadow of Jesus. And Elijah is a type and shadow of you and I. Notice the process of the anointing increasing. Now, we're in a day and age where the anointing, the process will be accelerated if you're willing to get in the process. There's no bypassing the process, but if you'll get in the process and you'll get in the game and you'll keep showing up no matter what, what's going on in life, you keep putting God first. If you'll get in the process, He will speed it up, but He will not go around the process. And we all think that we're an exception a lot of times. Well, Lord, you know how much I've got going on, right? Don't kid yourself. God wants to do a work in us, and he wants to do a work through us to change the world around us. 1 Kings 19, verse 19, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Mantle represents the anointing. Mantle represents a clothing. So Elijah, who is a type and shadow of Jesus, he finds this young man, Elisha, 
and he throws his mantle on him. Remember John 14, verse 12, that you and I will do the works that Jesus did and greater works will we do because he goes to the Father. How are we going to do the greater works? By the anointing, what he does in us and what he does through us to change the world around us. Keep going, verse 20. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what I have done for you. Now notice he finds Elisha having good work ethic. He finds Elisha plowing. He finds Elisha sweating. He finds Elijah stinking. He finds Elijah honoring his mom and dad. How many yoke of oxen? Twelve. Twelve represents government. Twelve represents authority. Twelve represents order. God found somebody who was in the process, who was working hard, who was being faithful, who was putting his hands to something, and he was staying in order. Notice how he honored his father and mother. But Elijah says, what have I done to you? Verse 21, so Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment and gave it to the apostle and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So notice what happened here. The anointing was available to Elisha. Elijah threw his mantle upon Elisha. Elisha says, let me go and kiss mom and dad. What was, what was he saying? I'm, I'm choosing. So, so Elijah was giving him an opportunity to step into his purpose. But he had a decision to make. Elisha had to decide, am I going to honor mom and dad? Am I going to keep doing what I've always done over honoring what God is wanting me to do? Because there will be times that you have to choose God over your family. Oh, even in America, I know you watching, you think, oh my gosh. No, no, there will be a time that you've got to choose God's voice over your family. That just seems un-American. It might be un-American, but it's not unbiblical. Abraham had to leave his father to go to the place that God called him to, Joshua. You could go down the whole list. And Jesus himself says, until you're willing to give up family and wives and mothers and brothers and sisters and children for my sake, you'll never inherit everything that God has. That's not saying neglect. It's not saying be rude. It's not saying be irresponsible. But there is a time that you will have to choose God's voice over the voice of people you can see. I'll just leave that there with you. I can tell you're really enjoying it. 2 Kings chapter 2. Let's keep going here. Verses 1 and 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were going from Gilgal. Say Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Say Bethel. But Elisha replied, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now I want you to picture what's happening here. Elisha is serving Elijah. He's being faithful. And he says, Okay, I'm leaving Gilgal. Gilgal represents a place where you give your life to the Lord. You get saved. You experience a cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. The power of God is evident in your life. I mean, you were delivered. You were set free. You were spared. But in Gilgal, you're going to have an opportunity to go back to where you came from. 
you forget the mercy of God. You forget what God has done in your life. The children of Israel at Gilgal, God was their fire by night. He was a cloud by day. He was raining down manna from heaven, but they got complacent and they started complaining and they started griping and they forgot that he had parted the Red Sea and they forgot how they gave them all the wealth of Egypt and they forgot all the miracles that God has done and you will have an opportunity. Every one of us will have an opportunity. I get saved. Now I'm religious, but I forget about the power of God. I lose my hunger. I lose my thirst. And I stay in the place of Gilgal. I'm not willing to leave the first church of Gilgal. And you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power. So I've got to ask myself, am I stuck at Gilgal? Am I stuck of that place of being religious? Where I have a form of godliness. How are you doing, brother? Oh, bless you. I go to church on the way to lunch. But I deny the power. And so Elisha tells him, I'm not staying here. Elisha says, wherever you go, I'm going. Elisha says, I know there's more, and I'm not backing off until I experience more. Let's keep going. Verse 2, And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now Bethel is a place of decision. Bethel is a, is a place where Abraham pitched his tent and he made a decision that he was going to surrender to God. Bethel is a place where Jacob made a decision, I'm going to serve God. Bethel is a place where Jacob wrestled with the angel and his identity was t- turned and changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Bethel is a place that you're saying, okay, I'm surrendering my gifts, my calling, my assignment, my passion, my heart, everything I am, my business, my family. I'm, I'm not at stuff at Gilgal, playing church and being religious, but I'm at Bethel now, and just like Abraham, I'm making a decision. Just like Jacob, I'm making a decision. I'm making a decision. This is whenever Jacob had the dream, and the angels were coming up and coming down, and coming up and coming down. It was a place that changed his life forever. At Bethel, you will have the opportunity to either go on or to go back. Are you going to go back and be religious, or are you going to go forward and walk in everything that God has for you? Come on, answer the question on the inside of you. Are you going to go forward or are you going to stay in the place of being religious? Are you going to break out of your comfort zone? Are you going to break out of the box and allow the anointing in us to teach us about the God that we read about so his power can come upon us and we can walk in everything that God has for our life? Let's keep reading. Verse 4. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. So you go from Gilgal, you go to Bethel, and then you have the place at Jericho. Jericho is a place of warfare. Jericho is a place where you're going to have to stand your ground. 
A lot of times people think whenever they get saved, it's going to be tiptoe through the tulips and butterflies and birds and chirp, 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 chirp. And it is a great, and it is a great thing when you give your life to the Lord. But you've got to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. Jericho is a place of warfare. Jericho is when Joshua led the children of Israel around Jericho six times. And the seventh time they begin to shout and the walls came tumbling down. Jericho represents a place of battle. Jericho represents whenever all hell comes against your physical body, you're going to stand your ground. All hell comes against your finances, you're going to stand your ground. All hell comes against your marriage, you're going to stand your ground. All hell comes against your calling and destiny, you're going to stand your ground because on the other side of the battle is the birth of a miracle. On the other side of the pressure is a breakthrough. If you're willing to not go back to Bethel, not go back to Gilgal, but you stand your ground in Jericho and you begin to shout when you don't feel like shouting. You begin to praise when you don't feel like praise. You begin to worship when you don't feel like worship and you keep declaring the word even whenever it seems like it is taking forever. You ever been there where you're believing God for something and it seems like it's taking forever? And in spiritual warfare, you have an opportunity to get complacent. You have an opportunity to get distracted from your calling, your purpose, your destiny, the promise of God because it's not being microwavable like we're used to. Let's keep going. Verse 6, And Elisha said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me onto the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now Jordan right here represents the supernatural. Jordan is where Jesus was baptized by John and the heavens opened and the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jordan is a place where you start seeing into the supernatural. You didn't stay at Gilgal where you were nice and religious and comfortable. You didn't stay at Bethel, that place where you made the decision. You just made a decision that you're going to keep growing and you're going to keep going. And you don't stay at Jericho. You don't stay fighting all of your time. You learn how to fight the good fight of faith so the next fight, when it comes along, you already have your armor on. You know how to think. You know how to open your mouth. You know how to apply the, the things that are in the Word of God. And here at the Jordan, you start seeing beyond the problem. You start seeing beyond the natural. You start seeing the supernatural. You start seeing your destiny. You start seeing your calling. You start seeing your assignment because you didn't pop a squat at Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. You went on to Jordan. I'm encouraging you. Whatever is holding you back, Make a decision. You're not going to stay until you walk in all the things that God has created you to walk in, until you experience what you read about in the Bible. Remember, uh, it's easy for us to think, okay, God's going to show up for them and God will answer their prayers. No, God's going to show up for me. And I'm not going to be religious and I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm going to stay so hungry for God that the same God that showed up for David shows up for me. The same God that showed up for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shows up for me. He is my God. He is my healer. He's my provider. He's my way maker. He shows up for me, say for me. He provides for me. He brings things for me. He reveals his heart to me. See, that's the That's the the goodness of God. That's the person of the Holy Spirit in us, teaching us about the God that we serve. And we learn and we stay hungry and we stay thirsty to the point that we realize the Spirit of God isn't just in me, but He's on me, and He's going to back me up. 
Because when I truly believe that God is in me and with me and that He will not forsake me, I act different. I think different. I talk different. You talk different when you go from Bethel to Gilgal to Jericho to Jordan. When you've had some experiences where the supernatural power of God, once you've experienced God as healer, nobody can talk you out of God being the healer. I remember when people told me that speaking in tongues was of the devil. I used to live for the devil. Not one time did I speak in other tongues when I lived for the devil. Not one time. People tell me that God wouldn't, he would supply your needs, but he wouldn't supply your desires or wouldn't supply your want. He wouldn't supply. You can't talk me into that. Why? Because the anointing in us is teaching us about the character in God, and it's progressive. It's, but we've got to stay hungry. We've got to stay thirsty for the things of God. I, I pray that this word is stirs in you even while you're sleeping, that you just, you, if you've never received your prayer language, you, you think that's just something for, no, no, it's for you. The only prerequisite for your gifts of the Spirit to begin to operate, your prayer language, is that you're saved and you're born again. And if you called upon the name of Jesus, all you have to do is ask him. I remember I got to pray for my dad. It was so fun in our barn. He was out there and he had used to go out and he had, you know, sort all the screws and bolts and all that type of stuff. And I remember I went out the barn. He says, Trey, I, I've tried everything I know to try and I've asked and I, I just, man, I just can't receive. I said, Dad, you can receive. And I got to talk him through it and got to pray with him. And he just lifted up his hands in the barn and praying in other tongues. And it was the most precious thing to see my hero, to see my father just lift up his hands and begin to worship God and pray in other tongues. Precious. I, I could tell you story after story of just how life-changing that is. I, I want to pray over you. Father, I just, I thank you so much for how good you are that, Father, I know it is only by your mercy and only by your grace. And Father, I, I share this vision, these scriptures with fear and trembling and honor and respect of you. That Holy Spirit, you carry my voice. You carry the word of God into their heart and it just explodes, it ignites, it stirs a hunger on the inside of us to, to see ourselves as the warrior, to see ourselves as the arrow, full of the Spirit of God, that when we go into darkness, we explode for the glory of God. Holy Spirit, we know that there's more in our families, our marriages, our business, our callings, our assignment, our passions. I ask you to teach us. Continue to teach us. It's your anointing in us that removes every burden, destroys every yoke in our life. And it's your anointing on us that removes burdens and destroys yokes in the lives of other people. And Father, I just release the healing anointing of God into these families, into their businesses, into their joints, into their internal organs, into their immune systems. Father, I release the blessing of God. Any person that gives tonight, that the blessing of God intensifies upon their life. That Holy Spirit, you continue to teach us to profit. You teach us how to honor you in new ways financially and who to bless and who to be a part of. What ministries to be a part of. 
Show us how to be faithful, faithful with the word that we've heard, the word that we learned, the word that we know, faithful with our gifts and callings and our assignment, faithful. Father, that faithfulness is just in our DNA. It's our values that we're faithful, just like you. Now, Father, I bless them. I bless their families. I bless what they're called and created to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.